You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. College football today. Hour number two of college football today. We talked SEC East in the first hour. We wet the palate, Rich. But now we're going to really dive into it with the SEC West. Let's talk about Alabama. Let's talk about Nick Saban. Back-to-back national championship appearances, but they couldn't get it done. They got shut. They got actually a dramatic fashion, tongue-tied there because of the second-half comeback by Clemson and Deshaun Watson, Rich. I mean, a game for the ages. Any residual effects for the Crimson Tide as they move on week number one against Florida State? Yeah, I think there's a residual effect. Uh, Nick Saban's pissed off. <laughs> I, I, I think that's the residual effect. I mean, you know, th- this is not a program that is going to, uh, you know, have a hangover, uh, be hanging its head. If anything, I think Saban is furious. And when Saban is furious, his kids are going to be more motivated than ever. What I marvel at, Joe, with this program is not just the ability to attract talent, because a lot of schools do that. What I love in Tuscaloosa is that that desire, that passion, despite repeatedly winning SEC titles, winning national championships, they still play with a hunger year in and year out. That's a credit to Nick Saban and his coaching staff. So... Uh, I, I think it could be a little more of an offensive-driven team this year with the best backfield in the country, a quarterback in Jalen Hurts, who's now a sophomore, uh, Calvin Ridley and those wide receivers, an offensive line that's always good. So I think they could be a little more potent offensively, maybe a little more vulnerable defensively, but how much more, what does that mean? They give up 14 points a game this year? I I still think they're the team to beat in the SEC. Well, I picked them at the top uh, up uh, for the SEC West, but I have them at 9-3, and and I'll say this about Nick Saban. You're absolutely right. I mean, the hunger is there. It's understood. It's a love of the game. Let's be honest. You need, if you go to Alabama, you love playing football and you want to win. It's bottom line. That's it. That's what it is. And you would think that that's the case across Power 5 programs across the country, but we don't see it on a consistent basis week to week or year to year like we should or like Alabama has done it. And the one thing that Nick Saban does as well as anybody, if not as good as anybody, the best is that he gets the top five talent. He coaches that talent up to a another level and that's why Alabama's in the top five each and every season I will say this about Alabama I think a lot of moving parts this year they get offensive coordinator Brian Dable yes Jalen Hurts was there but I have concerns especially on third downs that hurt this team at the end of last year Rich I mean in the last two games of the year against Washington they converted four 14 third downs that was 28 percent in the th- uh, national championship game against Clemson two of 15 13% and when you lose OJ Howard and Ardarius Stewart and Cam Robinson on the offensive line not easy holes to fill I know they have playmakers like Josie Jewell they get Najee Harris in there as well with Damian Harrison Bo Scarborough but it's still not an easy fix when we come back we'll be kicking around Alabama keep it where it is this is Joe Lisi Rich Sermonello Studio 34 Fantasy Sports Radio Network
back on college football today. We're talking Alabama, Nick Saban, national championships. Can they do it again in 2017? A lot of moving parts. I'm not so sold that Alabama gets back to the college football playoff. When you look at Brian Dable, the new offensive coordinator, we talked about third down conversions at the end of last year that really made this team a one-dimensional offense in critical situations, Rich. It handcuffed them, put a lot of pressure on Jalen Hurts to make plays with his arm and become a pocket passer, and that's an area where he struggled last year. You know, you bring up a fair point. Uh, Lane Kiffin did an underrated job. I'm not a big Lane Kiffin fan in general, but I respect what he did with that Alabama offense uh, year in and year out. They had new quarterbacks last year. They had the young quarterback, uh, and those QBs were always ready. I thought that offense did a nice job under his tutelage, so it will be interesting to see what Brian Dable comes over from the New England Patriots, has uh, very limited college experience from uh, many years ago at Michigan State with Nick Saban. So, you know, it's going to be an interesting transition for him. I'm banking on the maturation uh, of Jalen Hurts and the support cast that he's going to have. Uh, Cam Robinson, I thought the left tackle had an average year. Obviously, you're better with him than without him, but I think they'll be better on the left side with Jonah Williams, the true sophomore from California. I think he has a higher ceiling than Cam Robinson, and and, and I really like those receivers. I, I think Calvin Ridley, this will be his last season as a junior before he goes off to the NFL. Uh, Jerry Judy, the true freshman, playing very well in the offseason. So I think there are more than the standard playmakers. They always have the stable of running backs, but I think they'll be strong on the outside, Joe. So I expect to see Jalen Hurts elevate his play despite the fact that he doesn't have his offensive coordinator. And in terms of the defense, you know, new year simply means new stars. People may not know Deron Payne, but they're going to as early as that opener against a weak Florida State offensive line. Uh, the secondary, I think, is the best in the country. And then, you know, some new linebackers, Rashawn Evans, Sean Dion Hamilton, those players will step up. Alabama, they have the intangibles, but they also have the size, the speed, the pedigree. Uh, I, I think, you know, I know there are a lot of trendy picks. You might be an Auburn guy this year. I just think Alabama uh, is still the team to beat in the SEC West. Yeah, I have LSU as the second team, but we'll get into that in a little bit, hopefully with Keelan Williams mm-hmm. at the bottom of the hour. But I will say this in terms of what they are in run support. I mean, they are phenomenal at the point of attack. I mean, they only allowed 63 rushing yards per game last year. There were only two teams, Rich, that rushed for over 100 yards on the Alabama front seven. It was Ole Miss and Chad Kelly, 101. Texas A&M and Trevor Knight with that offense in the loss, 33-14. to They rushed for 114 yards on the ground. In the last half of the season, they did not allow a rushing touchdown in the la- in seven games, in the last eight games, they allowed two rushing touchdowns. It came in the national championship game against the Clemson Tigers and Wayne Gallman and Deshaun Watson. So that's a phenomenal statistic. I will say this about Alabama. I think the way you have to beat Alabama is over the top. Now, they lose Eddie Jackson. They lose Marlon Humphrey. There were three teams last year that attacked Alabama vertically in terms of over 400 yards of offense on that defense. It was Ole Miss and Chad Kelly at 400. They threw for over 400. Then it was Clemson. And then 
uh, it was Arkansas and Austin Allen. So I think that's the way you have to attack Alabama. Now, when you look at their schedule, which teams can do it? I think it is DeAndre Francois and Florida State, but we'll see how that game shapes out. I'm just, when I look at the moving parts, especially on the front seven, they lose 36 and a half of the team's 54 total sacks, and I know all they do is reload and get that production, but you're talking about Jonathan Allen gone. You're talking about Tomlinson gone, Reuben Foster gone, Tim Williams, Ryan Anderson. The list goes on and on. I mean, those are major holes to just really expect the production not to fall off at all. Well, I, I mean, a couple of things. I mean, don't we have this conversation every year? We I do. mean, because really think about it. This, t- this time last year, you know, we knew Jonathan Allen, but we didn't know Jonathan Allen. I, you know, Jonathan Allen was sort of, he was one of the compliments to the defenders in 2015. And then he uses his senior season to become a first round draft choice of the Washington Redskins. So I, I think there's, there's always that next guy ready to step in and become a a star for that Alabama defense. And my second point is a drop-off is possible. There's no question. Last year, I think they had, what, like 11 non-offensive touchdowns. So I'm not suggesting there's going to be a repeat of that kind of production. But a drop-off for Alabama still puts them in an area where they're giving up less than 20 points per game. And again, if I'm right, and that offense is ready to carry just a little more of the weight then I think whatever they give up defensively, I think they'll be able to make up on the offensive side of the ball. So I don't expect to see much of a drop-off. I'm not that frightened by this schedule. Yes, Florida State to open, Auburn to finish. But on the interior, that soft midsection of that schedule doesn't really frighten me if I'm an Alabama guy right now. Yeah, and that's been the thing for the SEC now. We talk about the SEC West as the most physical of the two conferences overall. But quarterback play hasn't been really a strength of this conference in terms of the division overall, and we're seeing more experienced quarterbacks solidified in the East. So we'll see how this season plays out. But I do want to bring up a team that you said in Auburn will transition uh, to Alabama. We'll give our picks for the division at the end of the hour. But Auburn, I'm not sold on in any way, shape, or form. I mean, this team was 8-5 and five last year. I'm picking them 7-5 and five this year. All eyes on Jared Stidham. Gus Miles on. He's doing it. Uh, here's where uh, I, I'm going to – I'm chomping at the bit for Auburn. I can't even – I'm jumping out of my skin about mm-hmm. the Auburn Tigers. They run <laughs> for 271 it. rushing yards per game last year. The year that they made it to the national championship game with Nick Marshall uh, in 2013, they were rushed for 328 yards on the ground. 2014, it dipped to 255. In 2015, they were down to 196. They were 7-6 and six last year. They lost those six games. In those losses, they only rushed the football for 158 yards on the ground. Last year, with Cam Petaway and Kerryon Johnson, they got it back up to 271, and they were still Still eight and five. Now they bring over Jared Stidham. This is an offense in twenty six games, Rich, that has only thrown one game where they passed for over three hundred yards. It came in two thousand fifteen at home in the loss to Ole Miss. You look at the defense. Everybody raves about this Auburn defense. They lose Montrevious Adams and Carl Lawson that accounted for twelve and a half of the team's twenty five total sacks. They were in the first seven games. They were five and two last year. They held opposing offenses to 198 passing yards per game. You know what they did in the back end in the last six games? They allowed 265 per game to opposing offenses. They were 3-3 three and three overall and got abused by Baker Mayfield and the Oklahoma Sooners. 
Now you bring in a new offensive coordinator. Chip Lindsey takes over for Lashley, right? That went on to UConn. Where do you see this team just picking up because Jared Stidham's there and being a top 10 team? I'm not saying you. I'm just saying the experts. I don't mm-hmm. see it. In general. And, and, yeah, that's been the theme. Obviously, you're referring to the general buzz this offseason. Yeah. Everybody's high on Auburn, which if, if I'm an Auburn guy, that scares me. I, I think whenever, whenever the crowd is moving in one direction, you tend to want to go in the opposite direction because uh, – Buzz, off-season buzz oftentimes doesn't come to fruition. I agree with you on the defense. Now, I, I thought Kevin Steele, defensive coordinator, did a fantastic job last year, solidified, sort of stopped the bleeding on defense, which had been a problem in the prior year uh, for the Auburn Tigers, but they do lose a lot of talent. I, I don't think this is, by any stretch of the imagination, an elite defensive squad but where I get excited Joe is I'm a believer in Jared Stidham because I knew what he was in high school I watched him briefly in his true freshman season with Baylor and I've watched him very closely this offseason Auburn simply needed improved play from the quarterback position to really Uh, elevate that Gus Malzahn offense. Uh, Chip Lindsey comes in. He's one of the young hotshot offensive coordinators. But if Jared Stidham builds off of the offseason and you combine him with Petway and Kerryon Johnson out of the backfield, I think that's a pretty potent offense with a mid-level defense. I think this is a pretty good football team. They have the luxury in week two. They have to go to Clemson. Tough game. But Clemson is still figuring out. Yeah, they're still figuring out their quarterback situation. So, uh, listen, I think Auburn is positioned to make a run at the number two slot in the division. But I'm with you that I'm not as high as top ten as a lot of folks are saying this offseason. And you bring up a great point about Kevin Steele. And let's talk about coordinators. I mean, on the defensive side of the ball, they've had three coordinators over the last four years now. I mean, they started with Ellis Johnson. They moved to Will Muschamp. And then Kevin Steele that made the, the lateral switch from LSU to Auburn. So, yes, he did solidify uh, that defense in, in a great way. So I, I agree with you 100%. But when you look at the offense and Jared Stidham overall, where's the big win under his resume? We'll pick it up on the back end. This is Joe Lisi, Ritz Sermonello. We're talking Auburn Tigers. Stay with us. Fantasy Sports Radio Network. On College Football Today, Studio 34, Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello. We were talking Auburn Tigers. We're going to get back to that, but we're going to switch gears and go to the LSU Tigers. Death Valley, Ed Ogeron, Darius Geis. What better way to talk about the program than with a former standout? He's live on the Fantasy Sports Celebrity Guest Line. Want to welcome in one of my favorite LSU running backs, Keelan Williams. Keelan, how are you today? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Hanging in there on a beautiful Saturday here. I love talking LSU. Let's get right into it. For a man that wore number five before Darius Geis, tell me what you see out of Darius Geis' performance last year, a school record, 285 rushing yards in College Station, and the differences between Keelan, uh, excuse me, Darius Geis and Leonard Fournette. 
Um, well, uh, yeah, indeed, it is a beautiful Saturday morning. I appreciate you having me on. But uh, Darius is just a, a special running back. I think there was so much hype, um, and de- deservingly so, around Fournette and, you know, coming into college and what he's able, you know, what he was able to do, you know, during his career at LSU. And it's kind of been overshadowed a little by Geis, and now Geis will have his opportunity to have a year to himself and, um, you know, really be the focal point of the offense and uh, I, I think he'll do great things. He's very explosive. Uh, his leverage, he runs behind his pads. Uh, he doesn't go down at uh, first contact. So I, I think there's a lot of things. I think we can have a whole segment on what guys does well in, uh, in his ability. There's a lot of things that he does. But I think his leadership is the most important. Um, he's a guy that goes out there. He works hard. He's going to give 100% every day. And uh, that's what you need in the players around it, um, you know, respond to it. And considering, you know, there's going to be some kinks to work out, on the offensive end this year, they're going to rely heavily on him um, to be a vocal leader, um, to keep guys, you know, with the right mindset, you know, when 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 adversity does strike. So I'm, I'm just excited. I'm just excited about uh, the year to come for him and for the LSU Tigers. Hey, Keelan, it's Rich Sermonello. Uh, speaking of hype, uh, how much of an impact do you think new offensive coordinator Matt Canada? can have on the old veteran quarterback, Danny Etling? Um, well, I, I think at that age, you know, um, I'm, I'm not sure, excuse me, I'm not sure how, uh, how old Danny is, but um, they're still kids. No matter how big they are in the game that they play in the magnitude around it, they're still big, and that's what you need. And at that position where there's so much influence, there's so much communication going on, during practice and in games, you need someone that's in your ear that's going to be able to groom you. So I do feel like he can have a big influence on him. We, we look at what Cam Cameron, I mean, don't get me wrong, we know uh, Mettenberger, he, he was groomed, he played for Georgia, and he uh, you know went to junior college. But we look at the effect that Cam Cameron had on him, you know, that one year that, uh, that they spent together and, you know, what that offense did. Um, Beckham had a great year. Landry had a great year. He'll rush for over 1,000 yards. So I feel like uh, bringing someone in that can groom quarterbacks and um, is okay with opening the system up a little bit, I think we're going to see some great things from everyone around the board. Quarterback position, offensive coordinator, running back, um, just every everywhere in the offense. Keelan, when you look at the losses in the secondary, Jamal Adams and Tredavious White to that defensive secondary are going to hurt, especially week number one against BYU and quarterback mm-hmm. Tanner Mangum. Yeah. But when you look at the defensive end, Arden Key, how important is he to the success mm-hmm. of the 2017 defense? Oh, Arden Key's everything. I feel, um, well, I say he's everything. As of right now, he's everything. We There's a lot of guys behind him. There's, you know, there's, uh, there's great. Um, Anthony, there's Sasson, there's Thornton. There's a few guys behind him that we're expecting from, but right as of right now when we're looking at film and we know what we get from Arden Key, he's everything to that pass rush. Um, he's everything to that secondary because obviously if the quarterback doesn't have any more time, the secondary looks that much better. So um, I feel like, I don't know if he's back at practice yet. I know he's recovering from a, a, a shoulder uh, surgery. Um, and um, he's he's everything to that offense, and uh, I mean, I'm sorry to the defense, and he's just a veteran leader. And what he does, he, he has no choice um, but to be great around him when you're playing with someone like that. It's very contagious. Uh, Keelan, what what are the expectations for Coach O? I mean, I love the hire. He seems to be quintessential Louisiana. 
Uh, mm-hmm. Do you get the sense that there's, at least until the first game is played, a love affair between the coach and the community? It definitely is. I mean, yeah, like you like you just mentioned, he's a Louisiana born and bred. This has been his job, his dream job. He's gone on record for saying that. So there is going to be some love there. But we also have to have some understanding. Obviously, we would like to go undefeated and win a national championship, and there's a chance that it could happen, but we'll see. But, um, I mean, it is football. It is a learning curve. There's a new staff. Coach O is not the only, you know, the new, um, I guess, a new coach in that role. We have a, you know, new offensive coordinator, um, new receivers coach. Uh, so there's a lot of new spots, and it's going to be a learning curve for everyone. But as long as they go out there, they do their best. And um, we don't see the same old LSU football we've been seeing. Um, I think fans will be pleased and uh, happy with the effort and what we see out there. Keelan, for those that don't know about the atmosphere in Death Valley, Saturday night in Death Valley, uh, elaborate on the experience and what it means for the Tigers to play at night because we know that there's a huge difference between playing a day game in the afternoon on a Saturday and once those lights go down, baby, Death Valley's rocking. Yes, it definitely is. And you know what? I don't even know if I can uh, articulate um, the energy and the feeling inside of that stadium. I mean, it's, a, it's, 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 it's electric. Uh, it's, it's just special. It's magnificent. I, it doesn't matter, doesn't matter if you hate the Tigers or if you grew up an LSU fan. That's a special place regardless. And anybody that's, anyone that's had the opportunity to be there, whether you're a fan or if you've had an opportunity to play on the sport as playing for the Tigers or playing for the defending team, you feel it, and you know how special and great it is to be out there. So, uh, and that's just the pride and the love that we have down here in Louisiana for our Tigers, and um, you know, and, and in the program. And then you feel it. Like I said, it's in the air. It's very, it's very real. It's very uh, tangible. Is there a unit, uh, Keelan, that gives you more concern right now than the offensive line? There was a little bit of a worry. I, w- I wondered <laughs> if there was a true tackle on the roster. Yeah. Now one of the starting guards, Tuhema, is now no longer with the program. Does that worry you heading into the season? Um, I guess it is. You know, and, I, and you, you, you mentioned that. I actually, as I was listening to the question, I kind of answered before you finished and before you said, besides the offensive line. It's the offensive line, and honestly, it's the, D, it's the D-line for me as well. Something that I saw from the defense. Um, I didn't feel we got a lot of pressure on the ball. Besides Arden Key, I didn't feel, and uh, I guess when I, when I attended – uh, I I know the D line we had in front, and I know the D line pride, and I'm sure it's still there. And I know the the amazing job that the guys did, you know, before them, Tyson Jackson, Glenn Darcy, Pep Livingston, Kirsten Pittman, uh, all these guys. I can just go on and on. And uh, I know how they played and how they played the game. And I didn't feel we got a lot of pressure on the ball. Um, and that's what that's what I would like to see. So uh, and also, you know, again. The running back position, it doesn't bother me, but uh, I am I'm, I am ready to see either Nick or uh, Williams kind of burst and be a solid backup. And as you know, I mean, guys could only do so much. And as you know, we play in a, I mean, they play in a very physical league. And you knew you need two guys that can carry the ball and be de- dependable. The same as um, guys with a dependable backup for Leonard, we need a dependable backup for guys. And, uh, and honestly, with a new system and a lot of new terminology and a lot of new adjustments, we're going to rely heavy on the offensive, um, the, the, um, the run game until, you know, the quarterbacks and the receivers get clicking on all cylinders. We are going to do that. So those are the two groups that worry me the most right now. 
Keelan, when you look at Ed Ogeron in terms of taking over for less miles, do you feel like there's pressure on him this year to really start fast and erase, I want to say, the memories? Because everybody thought with Ed O there, they would knock off Alabama. They lost a very close ball game last year, 10 to zip, where Jalen Hurts got a touchdown run late in the fourth quarter. But do you feel like there's pressure on Ed O this year to really start fast and win the SEC West this year? Yeah, he got a um, he got scored a touchdown late with ten holding calls. Okay, I'm being I'm being I'm <laughs> exaggerating it. a little bit, but it was three holding calls that were missed, and I have no idea how they were missed and he scored. But obviously, I'm a little still a little bit bitter about that. But to answer your question, uh, I don't think there's any pressure. Now, I personally don't feel Coach O is probably tuning in right now. So, Coach O, I don't think that you should feel any pressure. Uh, I think he should just go out there and be the best that he possibly can be. It's not about erasing what Les Miles did. Les Miles did great things for our program, um, and, he, and he supports us. Um, but I think he just needs to come out there and be Coach O and bring championship football back to Louisiana. So it's no pressure at all. Um, or I don't think he should feel any pressure. I think he should just give his best, and um, you know, and we can live with that. He's, he's passionate. Um, he has enthusiasm for the game, unlike no other that you've been around. So if he gives his best, which we know we will, we'll, we'll, like I said, we'll return back to that championship program. I know this is probably a sore subject, but does it help LSU that Alabama has been sort of that rabbit setting the bar for everyone else in the SEC, uh, SEC West to chase? Um, I think it does. Yeah, it makes you it makes you great. You know, every year that no matter what, you're, you're on a collision course to meet with this program. So every year you know that, hey, look, I'm preparing to, to, to we're, we're preparing to be the best program that we can be. But we know, um, you know, at the back end of this year, we're going to face the Crimson Tide and we have to be the best. And at the end of the day, we're a championship program. So we, we play to win a national championship every year. We're not just playing for an SEC championship or to be bowl eligible. We're playing to be the national championships every year. That's what's been instilled in the program. And that's what's going to continue to be. So uh, it does help that you can face your rival every year. Um, but at the end of the day, we have to be LSU with or without Bama, regardless of what Bama does. Keelan, it was great information today. We hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for joining us. We'll get you on a little bit later in the season. I definitely did. I definitely did appreciate it. Thank you guys for having me on. Have a great weekend. Enjoy your day. That was former LSU running back Keelan Williams. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, we'll be talking LSU and Auburn. Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello, Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Back on College Football Today, Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello. We just had a great conversation with former LSU running back Keelan Williams. We'll stick with LSU, Rich. I mean... 8-4 8-4 and four last year. I mean, this was a team that really didn't step up. Ed O got the job. A lot of pressure on this team, in my opinion. But it, it will fall on two people. Danny Etling at the quarterback position and Darius Geis. Can they get the job done and be a balanced offense in 2017? Well, hey, listen, I, I'm, I'm a believer in Matt Canada. I mean, look at the tape of Pittsburgh last year. Uh, Joe, the development of Nate Peterman, who is now in the NFL, something I think you and I probably didn't expect when we were breaking down the Panthers last year. I mean, Brian O'Neill 
their offensive tackle scored two touchdowns last season for for the Pitt Panthers. That is testament to what Matt Canada can do from an inventive standpoint. So I do think we'll see a better Danny Etling. I think we'll see a better DJ Chark on the outside. And Darius Geis is, if he's not the best running back in the country, it's it's he and Saquon Barkley at Penn State. So I think they'll be fine in terms of the running game. I just look at LSU, though. I think they're a clear cut below Alabama still uh, across the board, offensively, defensively. It's LSU. You know you're going to get next-level players on defense, but I just feel like there's something missing. Keelan touched on it. Not a lot of pressure outside of Arden Key. Arden Key's been a bit of a question mark this offseason, some holes in the secondary. So I think LSU is sort of nip and tuck with Auburn to see who the second-best team in the division is. Wow, that's intriguing. Well, Auburn did get the victory last year on the Plains, 18-16, to which led to the firing of Les Miles. But we'll, I'll throw, I'm chock full of nuts on LSU uh, and chock full of stats <laughs> here uh, with the Tigers. I, I mean, they were 8-4 last year, and those seven wins came against FBS opponents with a combined overall record of 46 and 43 overall. There are four losses in 2016 to Wisconsin, Auburn, Alabama, and Florida. Those teams were 42 and 13 overall, but they lost those four games, Rich, by 23 total points or 5.3 points per game. So they were in each and every loss. And it really comes down, in my opinion, on the defense. Can they shut down the run consistently? They allowed 117 yards on the ground, but they held five of 12 opponents under 100 yards. They were 5-0 and in those ball games, Rich, and won those games by 24 points per game. And the reason why I say Darius Geis is this. Every game that he rushed for over 100 yards, the Tigers won. They were 6-0 and in those games. They beat Jacksonville State, the other five FBS teams that they beat, they won those games by 26.6 points per game. They dominated the competition. So as long as they can run the football and shut down the run, I like this team's chances to challenge Alabama, plus the intimidation factor. They will not be intimidated on the road in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, I mean, listen, Darius Geis is a special back. I, I think he'll be better for LSU than Leonard Fournette was, just because Fournette was, you know, he was up and down with injuries last season. He had one foot in, one foot out. No disrespect to Leonard Fournette, who is a phenomenal uh, all-around running back. But I think Darius Geis, uh, now in his junior season, he'll be off to the NFL for sure after this year. I think he runs with a lot of motivation, a lot of passion, uh, he likes fielding con- uh, contact. He's good between the tackles. He could burst it and go the distance. Uh, clearly, Danny Etling is going to be a key. But that game in Tuscaloosa at that stage of the season, November the 4th, I, I think LSU will will just be a mismatch wow. when going up against Alabama. I don't like the offensive line of LSU. Other than Will Clapp, I don't see a lot of surefire all-SEC talent. Going up against Deron Payne, Deshaun Hand, who is not going to miss any time after a DUI, I, I think that's going to be a real problem. You know, we saw it the last couple of years, right, Joe? Leonard Fournette up against the Alabama defensive line put up very, very small, measly numbers. I think you could see the same thing out of Darius Geis, and if they can't run the ball, uh, you can't beat Alabama. Well, I spoke to the LSU faithful this week, and compliments to my good friend Matt Moscona out in Baton Rouge there uh, that hooked me up with Keelan there. 
But a cause of concern is that offensive line, and we had some discussions about it in terms of what can they do. And I feel like that's where Matt Canada has an advantage because of what he did with Pittsburgh last year, 38 points per game as an offense. But his aggressiveness on first and second down with Danny Etling could take the pressure off the offensive line, and more importantly, as the season progresses, can allow that offensive line to gain continuity and cohesiveness. If you become a one-dimensional offense where you want to run on first and second down, you get into third down in long situations, I think that offensive line can be a huge, huge cause of concern. So I agree with you there. I'll just say this about LSU. I I just like this team. I do. I feel like they always step up. They're physical. They're a blue-collar team. They've been dominated by Alabama over the last six games. Since 2011, Alabama's won the last six. They're 6-0 and over LSU and have won those games by 12.8 points per game, Rich. But I like the Tigers on the road here. I just think they, they're aggressive. And, and something just tells me that game in Tuscaloosa... I, I'm, I'm going out on a limb now. I like LSU. I don't care what the spread is, even though okay. Vegas instilled them as a 12-point underdog now, early part. I love Edo in that game uh, for the Tigers, and I think they do strike the upset, but that's that's for November. We'll, we'll hold off there. But let's yeah. get back to Auburn and Gus Miles on. The Gus bus. Mm-hmm. The Gus bus, and we were talking about Jared Stidham. You're high on Jared Stidham. The last comment I said about Jared Stidham is, Where's the marquee victory? Where's the the marquee win under his belt at Baylor where he got thrown into the mix? He's a system quarterback as well. And didn't they try this experiment with Jeremy Johnson two years ago? Well, I listen. I think you're being harsh in terms of the first point. I mean, he was he was a true freshman thrown into the mix after Seth Russell got hurt. So, in terms of quality wins, I can't really pin that on a kid who might have played. I'd have to pull it up, but he might have played in four or five games in his rookie season. Uh, I don't think he's a system quarterback. I, I I think he is a pure pocket passer who has the athleticism to make plays outside of that pocket if, in fact, he has to. I mean, there might be some design runs in Chip Lindsey's system. Chip does like more of an athletic quarterback. Uh, I saw in his rookie season Jared Stidham make plays with his feet, which is a good thing. He's not going to have to run too much with those two backs behind him. But I, I think he is clearly a more advanced quarterback than Jeremy Johnson. That obviously didn't work out. But Jeremy Johnson, plus the targets that he has, the complement of the backfield, and that system, I really like Lindsey's future. Gus Malzahn, we know what he could do with offenses. I think he's going to have a big season. My bigger concern with Auburn, Joe, is that defense and how much of a drop-off they have after losing, as you wisely mentioned, Carl Lawson and Montrevious Adams uh, at the point of attack. Yeah, I agree with you. And I, I wasn't jumping on Jared Stidham because he was a freshman at Baylor. What I was saying was a lot of people just expect him to come in, especially He's this game. He's inexperienced. Right. You're saying inexperienced. Exactly. And they're yeah. expecting yep. that game in Death Valley. Well, now that they have Jared Stidham, that's going to be a hostile yeah. environment going up against that Fair front point. seven with Wilkinson. Dexter Lawrence and Pharrell, uh, that's no joke. And, and to think that just because Jared Stidham is at Auburn and he played at Baylor, while well, he can handle the pressure. As you know, there's no environment like Death Valley in Clemson in yeah. the Big 12, really. Uh, am I wrong about that? 
No, that's a great point. I misread you. I, I thought you were getting on him because he's no, he no. Play I'm big just saying big a lot games, of people high on this team and like yeah. like they're an elite top ten <laughs> contender because now they have Jared Stidham. There's going to be a learning curve, even though he came from Baylor as a freshman. He has a new offensive coordinator. They're going to want to still run the football, and it's more of a play action style offense. They're not going to go in there in on the plains in Auburn, spread five wide, and and all of a sudden just negate the running game. I don't. Think they can have success doing that? Yeah. To your point, I think what you're saying, and I would agree with it if this is correct, Joe. You're saying he's basically still a redshirt freshman. Yeah, he's a raw quarterback, and and you're asking yeah. him to to step in now from Baylor, where he sat out a year. Okay, he, now you have a new offensive coordinator, and the expectation, as you know, on the plains in Auburn, they got rid of Gene Chizik. He won a national championship. The pressure is on Gus Miles on in this offense. I, I would have went with Sean White. I, I think Sean White, I, I, granted, you've had success. I understand you know what you're getting with Sean White. But with Jared Stidham, there's going to be a lot of pressure on a young, inexperienced quarterback to step up in the SEC West. And we saw two quarterbacks last year, in Etling and Austin Appleby, biggest stages of their careers, and they didn't really light it up. Yeah, listen, I, I mean, I, I like the mix that they have right now with the young quarterback, the sophomore in Stidham, who has a much higher uh, ceiling, much better physical tools and measurables. And you do have Sean White waiting in the wing as a backup, which is a situation that a lot of uh, college programs don't have, an experienced veteran backup quarterback who has done it and seen it before. So I think that's an ideal situation. And in terms of Gus Malzahn, you know, we took him off the hot seat last year. But I think the worst thing that happened to he and his staff is for everybody to be talking up Auburn this offseason. Because they may still be an 8 or 9 win team, but a lot of folks are talking them up like they have 11 win potential. And that hurts a coaching staff. Yeah, well, and that's what I'm saying. When you look at their win total for 2017, Vegas made them right in the area of 10 wins. So there's really yeah. no margin of error for this team moving forward into 2017. So uh, that's where I see a cause of concern. And again, when you switch so many coordinators every single year, you're going to have inconsistency. But we'll see how it plays out. We're going to come back. We're going to be talking some A&M, Arkansas, Miss State, and Mississippi. Stay with us. Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello, Fantasy Sports Radio Network. segment of the show college football today live from studio 34 joe lisi rich sermonello we left off with jared stidham in auburn we're going to turn to two teams i'm going to bunch them together rich a&m and arkansas i'm very high on arkansas mm. and brett bioma i love austin allen at the quarterback position it, it will come down to that offensive line in my opinion last year they only rushed for around 164 yards per game they lose their leading rusher raleigh williams that moved on and retired uh due to injuries whaley does come back for that you know that team i will say this they rushed for over 200 yards five times last year against four fbs opponents they were five and zero 
They won those games by 20 points per game. I love Austin Allen. I think this team can rebound and go 9-3 and three in the SEC West. And 6-6, six and six, I have pegged with A&M with the losses of Deshaun Hall, Miles Garrett, and Justin Evans. I don't see a couple with Trevor Knight's departure. Yeah, I'll start with Arkansas quickly. Uh, I'm with you on Austin Allen. I think Devois Whaley, although you lose the depth in the backfield, something that Arkansas has liked from as far back as the Darren McFadden and Felix Jones combination. You're not going to have that this year, but I think you'll have good balance with Allen in the passing game and Whaley, who breaks out as a sophomore as the feature back. My concern for the Hogs, and I'm sure it is for you too, Joe, is just not enough defensive talent. Lose the entire defensive line, so I think they'll be forced into a lot of shootouts. In terms of A&M, a couple of things real quickly. I'm confused as to why this team is so bad in the second half of seasons. I know the schedule steps up, but they've had this this really uncomfortable sort of personality under Kevin Sumlin of starting fast, finishing slowly, uh, struggling into the gate, going 8-5. and five, and, and I think that continues this season, especially with the uncertainty at quarterback. And, and I'm going to say it for the first time here. I think Sumlin goes in December. I think he gets fired. I think Chad Morris, the current SMU head coach, I think he's in college station for a program that has been slightly underachieving since the Johnny Manziel days. Yeah, I put Sumlin on my list of top 10 coaches to be fired. I also had number one was Butch Jones, and I had Bielma on there along with Gus Malzahn. So we we discussed the Pac-12 last week, three coaches on that list as well. So I agree with you with Sumlin. Again, this is a team that needs to finish out the year. We'll see if they can do it. If they can get that victory in college station against Alabama and Nick Saban, and maybe all bets are off for that, but they really need to finish above 500 and win a bowl game, and then I think he might be off the hot seat, but we'll see how it plays out in 2017. When you look at Ole Miss and you look at Miss State, I give the edge, obviously, now, and I did before, even though Hugh Freeze was the coach when I made my predictions with Nick Fitzgerald. I had both of these teams pegged at 5-7, and seven, but I did have Miss State winning uh, the Egg Bowl like they dominated last year, 55-20. to 20. I will just say this about... About Ole Miss's defense, not Miss State, Ole Miss. They allowed seven of eight SEC opponents to rush for over 200 yards on the ground. They do have Marquise Haynes and Shea Patterson at the quarterback position, but this team will be decimated with Hugh Freeze's departure. And I give the edge to Nick, uh, uh, Dan Mullen, and the crew. Yep, I agree. Uh, big. Big Dan Mullen fan. I think he's one of the more underrated head coaches in the entire country. Nick Fitzgerald, a versatile, big, dual-threat quarterback, so I'm excited to watch him. In terms of Ole Miss, I don't know what to expect. I just know that uh, the two things we'll watch closely, Joe, is uh, who is going to be the permanent head coach. Matt Luke is now the interim head coach. And I am excited to see the development of Shea Patterson. Watched him a little bit late last year. Shows a little bit of hints of Johnny Manziel, an exciting player. But other than that, it's going to be a long year in Oxford for the Rebels. This is it. We're in the final stretch run. Stay with us each and every Saturday. For Rich Sermonello, this is Joe Lisi. Have a great weekend everyone. We'll see you next Saturday.